Hey guys, welcome to Fuck Small Talk. I'm your host, Mariah Joe, life and recovery coach. I have my master's in sociology and a few certifications in nutrition and behavioral health. I'm also a certified peer recovery specialist, which is a fancy way of saying I use my own experience with addiction and mental health to help others heal too. And I'm here to say fuck that, to fake fluffy talk for the sake of fitting in. You don't need to fit in, you belong. Let's dive into this week's big talk topic. Hi, hi. Welcome to another episode. It is just me today. So I'm super excited to just be on a solo episode and kind of get into a little bit more of my thought process through the last couple of weeks of my life. I feel like I've been talking things out with my beautiful guests. It's been so incredible, but there's been so much change happening in my life. And so I really want to just speak to that today. Some major things have been happening in my life where I'm I feel like I'm being woken back up, like knowledge wise, but also spirit wise. And um, it's just been really beautiful. I'm finding so many different connections, so many different uh, like directions that uh, I'm able to go. It's just it's opportunities all around. And I'm so grateful. I can't even begin to express it. So I really wanted to jump in to the topic today of, I guess, the power that we have over our own mind and the power that we have over what we think and what we believe to be true. We have power over our opinions and over like any stigma or stereotype or anything else that we have, like any lens that we look through the world with. So many of us are taught that that's truth, right? People are like, speak your truth. Speaking your truth is essential. And like, really, that's really what I'm doing today is speaking my truth. I think that there's a lot of power behind the concept of asking yourself to think again. And this is why a lot of what I am saying today is coming through a book that I've read so many times over. I'm obsessed with it. And I've brought it up actually on the podcast before, but it's a book by Adam Grant and it's called Think Again. Just there's been so many conversations that I've been having in my day-to-day life. And it's gotten me to question myself to think the way that I've always done something or the way that I think about something, you know, the world around me whatever. But it's also gotten me to challenge a lot of my clients and just ask them to think again, ask them if that's true. You know, where did they get that information? Is it something that they've created a long time ago? And now it's something that they're holding on to? What is it that's inside of us humans where we are holding on to this opinion or this, well, this is how I've always done things. This is the way things have always been done. Whatever kind of concept that is, like that is literally why I'm here to talk about some really hard shit on the podcast. And so this is what I'm doing today. This is a big topic for me. It is super important to me and it's near and dear to my heart. So I am going to jump right in and ask you, when is the last time that you admitted that you were wrong? Like you admitted it out loud and you were like, all right, my bad. Um, Actually, I did get that information incorrect. Teach me what the right way is and let me let me try again. When is the last time that you did something like that? And this is, I mean, I'm asking you this question right away because yes, learning is essential. I'm such a knowledge based, like I'm an academic. My sisters call me college. Like I am all about it. Like I am, I want to dive in. You guys should see the stacks of books that I have. However, learning isn't the hardest thing that we can do in this process of thinking again. The harder things to do is unlearning a concept that we are just like, well, my brain just operates that way. This is just the way that I was taught. So this is how I think. The unlearning of that is so complicated. It can be painful at times. And furthermore, relearning a new concept in that same frame after you've unlearned a concept or a way of being or a belief or whatever it is to relearn something else in its spot is so much more impactful to you as a person and so much more life-changing than essentially just learning a new skill. And the reason why these are so much more, why they require so much more from you, why they require more effort and tenacity is that they require choosing courage over comfort. You're choosing to say, hey, I don't know everything. Hey, I don't get this. Hey, teach me how. Hey, I thought something different. And you are 
not sitting in the comfort of this like egotistical way of being like, nope, I learned this thought once that blah, blah, blah. I learned this fact. And it's like, well, yeah, but things are changing. Now, this is just like a really quick overview. If this sounds like a bunch of like mumbo jumbo, it's going to, I will be focusing in on a few different examples during this episode. And so I'm excited to get to it. But first things first, if you haven't listened to the core values episode, I highly, highly recommend going back and listening to that. Because in that episode, I describe a lot of ways that our core values, who we are as a person, are kind of the basis for our kind of like our unconscious thinking. It's how we operate life. We operate through life and it's how we show up for ourselves and for other people. And when we aren't acting in alignment with our with our core values, then that is where we feel a lot of resistance. And it's where we feel really uncomfortable and we feel like our life is not going smoothly and we tend to be pretty unhappy when we're operating in a way in our day-to-day that isn't in alignment with our core values. And so I'd love for you to go back and listen to that episode on core values just because it's natural for us to want to be comfortable. It's natural for us to like turn off this podcast episode and just say, "Mm, I'm not going to go there today. I would rather uh, not exercise my brain. I would rather not be challenged because that feels like a threat to me. And so there is a lot of people that are operating in the world this way where they're like, "Mm, I don't really want to read that book because it goes against what I already believe. Or I don't really want to read this new concept about what science discovered that's new because I wasn't taught that way growing up. It's, you know, even just like, (laughs) I don't know why this came to my mind, but like the concept that, you know, millennials like myself, we grew up in grade school going like Pluto's a planet, Pluto's the last planet. And now we're like, Pluto's not a planet at all. It's uh, like a rock in space. It doesn't even count as a planet. And that's so hard for me. You know, like we get pride. And we we get um, we have like pride and loyalty towards the things that we really connected with, especially since childhood. If something has been conditioned in you since you were a kid and all of a sudden they're different, people are like, whoa, 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 don't rock the boat. And and you can even see it in people's demeanor where they get defensive. They get it feels like a threat, like you are threatening their thought process. And so therefore they feel like they must stand up. And, um, you know, criticize that thought. But really what I've learned, especially through the work of Adam Grant and his book, Think Again, when we criticize someone and when we just put someone down in that manner, and especially when we are rude without particular feedback, we're really, it's it's fear-based when we do that. And it's really coming from a place of insecurity when instead thought leaders, they will challenge an idea And they will ask more questions. And this is where you can see that this is very knowledge-based. And it's coming from a place of care. Like they genuinely care about a topic or a social situation or even the person that is maybe coming, uh, coming to them with an idea or a belief. And to criticize someone is to close a door on someone and to say, no, we're not going there, period. To challenge someone is asking for them to give you more information and to go a little bit deeper on their idea, and it creates conversation. And then that way, that is how we connect, right? Because as we've learned in a couple of other episodes that I've had, that um, I've said this, I feel like on a few, but the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety, right? We think that it may be, but sobriety is just a component of the healing process. In order to, you know, get through the fog, this is just one of the examples, right? But the opposite of addiction, if we're getting out of that mental health headspace, right? That low vibrational headspace, that self-destructive patterns and behaviors, right? The opposite of addiction is connection. And so how can we best connect with someone else? We have to get out of that like self-hatred, self-harm cycle that stick our head in the sand, egotistical, critical, criticizing, rude way of being, take our head out of the sand and start to look around and say, okay, maybe this person has something to teach me. Maybe this, maybe I'm not above this person. You know, maybe I just want to hear them out. And staying curious about the world allows us to just be malleable enough in order to be part of the change, you know, because the world is changing around us all of the time. And I see this a lot in my career. You know, I'm in the mental health and addiction uh, recovery field at this point in my life. And I 
I love it. I've learned so much. It's incredible. From my private clients to group coaching and teaching, you know, I've kind of done a little bit here and there of everything where I've worked in treatment centers and I just now I'm working in a hospital setting and I see patients every day and I'm asking them to tell me part of their story, asking them to tell me, you know, how did you get here? What is going on? You know, what what area of your life are you in? Tell me about your your troubles. Tell me about what you think may help. Tell me about the direction that you are thinking that you'd like to go. Are you ready for change? Are you not? And it's my job to challenge them and to get them to open up to me and to just be like authentic and vulnerable with me in order to give me some information that I can use to help gear them towards something that's a good fit for them in their future. Whether it is, um, you know, sticking it out with a professional treatment center, if it's getting them into maybe professional mental health therapy, if it's getting them connected with the right type of doctor, depending on what needs they have, if it's getting them to um, a 12-step meeting because they're actually open to some social support when they're starting to figure out how to, you know, walk the walk of this new lifestyle without drugs or alcohol, or even if it's just, um, you know, to start to shake their way out of this mental health low that they may be in, whatever it is, you know, I see kind of, I see people from all different backgrounds. And so that's my job is to get to know their why, get to know why it is that they are self-harming, get to know why it is that they want to change and get to know why it is that they want to do better. You know, it's like, that's kind of the basis of my work. If we don't have the humility or the, or the curiosity to just reconsider our belief, if we are not humble enough to say, hey, you know, maybe I don't know everything. Maybe my brain inside my human body on planet Earth isn't the smartest brain or piece of knowledge, um, equipment, whatever out there in the world. Maybe that fact that I learned or this opinion that I have or this belief that I have, whether it's about, you know, a group of people or my family or myself. You know, if we don't have the, if the, we don't, if we're not humble enough to really reconsider our belief on any particular topic, then we can't reinvent ourselves. We can't change. We're stuck in that thought. And that makes me think of the episode with Courtney Playstead. If you want to go back and listen to her, she's an, an incredible past coach of mine. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful leader. She helped me through so many things. She said, Are you stuck? Or are you just choosing not to move? And that one stung me as much as it might sting you. But to really ask yourself again, like this is just a pattern that so many of us are used to saying, well, I'm just stuck. I feel stuck. I'm stuck. It's like, are you? Do you? Are you really stuck? Or are you choosing to say that you aren't moving forward or that you don't have options, but really you're not moving your feet. You're not taking your head out of the sand. You're not, you know, coming up for air and like looking around and being like, oh, like there's a whole nother world that I haven't even considered stepping into yet. We haven't asked for help. Great thinkers, great achievers, people that are super successful in life. And I don't mean just financially. I don't mean that at all. I think the word success often gets thrown in with the with like money mindset. But success to me means that you're living a peaceful life and that you are kind to others and that the majority of people like when they see you they're like hey i'd really like to get to know that person more that person's a really great person that i like that person's spirit and that person always makes me feel better like that to me is success you know where it's like you are living a life where you can go home at night and close the door and even if you're by yourself it feels like solitude and it doesn't feel like loneliness it doesn't feel like everything is missing and going wrong. You know, success to me is just being able to see the parts of the world that I want to see and to be able to connect to the people that I want to connect to. Success to me is connection across the board. It's connecting with myself authentically, connecting with others authentically. Success in this podcast would mean that I'm connecting to as many listeners as possible. You know, like there's like a notion, like a shame free plug, you know, like go share this with your friends, you know, rate the podcast. It's super. It helps me so much. If you give me a five star rating, like connecting, connecting to other people, that's that's a huge measure of success for me personally. 
But great thinkers and achievers don't let mistakes or thoughts of like toxic shame get in their way. You know, when they make a mistake, they might even, they might call it a mistake, you know, but also they might say, hey, wow, I'm learning a lot. <laughs> you know, and they might just, uh, you know, something might not work out in their favor the way that they hoped. And they might reconsider the way that they did that thing or the way that it worked out and then learn more about why it didn't happen the way that they expected or wanted it to happen. And then they try again. I bring this up because to me, it's so important to surround yourself with people who challenge your way of thinking and who are constantly being educated and learning and then turning around and teaching other people, you know, like you are the sum of the five people that you hang around the most. I've heard that a lot. And it's so true, you know, like think about your five like best friends or the people that you spend the most time with. Are they think againers, <laughs> you know, are they, are they successful in their day to day? Are they focusing on wellness? Are they focusing on leveling up their life in one way or another in a way that you would like to up level yours? You know, are they focusing on what you'd like to focus on? Are they focusing on health, wellness? Are you, their goals your goals? Are you inspired by them daily? If you're not, go around and start to make some stronger connections. Some connections that maybe might be a little uncomfortable, but that's what stretching is, right? And the only way that we grow is through doing something that we've never done before. And yeah, a lot of us here, a lot of the listeners, me included, I'm raising my hand right now. I struggle with anxiety. I, you guys, it took me 10 minutes to press record on this episode just because like my brain is going crazy. And I have got so many things to say in this episode that I feel like it's going to be like all over the place. We can question if it's fear. So like in, in the spirit of thinking again, right? Like I think Adam Grant about this book all the time, but Instead of telling myself, well, I don't know, I'm just too scared. I don't know, I have stage fright. And then just not doing anything that I'm called to do, like that I'm inspired to do, like this podcast. I mean, come on, like this is not, it, there was not um, like zero fear going into this process. I think the first episode I was like, I'm nervous because I have a big heart and big feelings. <laughs> like I'm just nervous. And like I said that so many times and I still am. Like it's still here. I'm still a human. Asking yourself in that moment, you know, is this fear that I feel? And am I going to let fear run my life? Is that voice inside my head that isn't even me? That negative thought, that negative voice, that person that's in my mind that says, you're not good enough. They're going to laugh at you. What if you fail? Oh my God, you're ridiculous. Like all of these all of these thoughts, you know, in my head, I'm like, who am I to do this? You know, I get that thought in my head all of the time. That's one of the stronger ones that leaks through a lot. And I can, I can just listen to it and just decide to paralyze myself and just like, you know, just be done with any project or any dream that I had. Or, or I can say, hey, this feels like fear. Knowledge and thinking again and learning taught me that in our brain, the same receptors that feel fear also are the same receptors that feel excitement. So this is happening. This this phenomenon is happening inside of our brain at the same time, or or like uh, there, it's the exact same thing that happens when we feel scared and when we feel excited. And this is like a you know I could break it down scientifically. Um, think of like um a gazelle that's uh, sitting in the grass, you know, and they think that a lion is hunting them, right? So they have to get up and they have to run for their life, right? And we call that fear. It's the same things that happen in the brain when we get excited. It's like when someone yells out and surprises you, right? Like people are like, I hate surprises. You know, that's because it it feels like fear in them and they don't like that feeling of feeling afraid, but feeling excited about something when your heart races and you start to maybe get a little sweaty and, you know, you're starting to get all like bouncy and jittery and all the things like those things, those physiological changes happen when we are also scared. And so literally it's the same thing. So um, long explanation. However, I ask myself when I'm like, hey, am I scared to do this thing? A lot of the times now, because I'm challenging that thought, I'm trying to think again, right? So my first thought is I'm scared. My second thought now is, am I excited instead? Could this be excitement? And most of the time I'm like, yeah, I am excited. You know, why would I be excited? 
oh, well, I'm excited because I'm passionate about this thing and I really want to make sure that this topic gets through to my listeners. And I'm so proud to be able to get up here and like say my thoughts and um, relay knowledge and information that I've learned that I find to be important to my life and to give that to you all. Like, I, I love that. And so I've challenged my brain and I've just reframed it. And I've been like, hey, you tell me that this is fear. I know better now. And I'm going to think again. And I'm going to tell you that this is actually excitement. Ready? Go. <laughs> and I I don't really give my brain any time to like hold me back uh, anymore when it comes to recording podcast episodes. You know, I was speaking with a client today and one of the examples, you know, that I have today about challenging your thoughts around the way that you've always thought, right? Like that it may not be true what you're thinking or what you're believing, especially if it's about yourself. We tend to be our own biggest critics. I also am raising my hand on that. Um, I totally understood this. Uh, my client today, he was just, he hung his head. He was very, very down on himself. I could feel just the the shame. It was very hard to feel that secondary toxic shame. You know, I could just feel he just felt terrible about himself. And I started to ask him some deeper questions. And he said, well, I uh, I went to treatment earlier this year, but I failed as soon as I got out. And I said, tell me more about that word failure. And he said, well, I used, I mean, I messed up. Like I, I threw it all away. And I said, tell me more about what you threw away. And so he he went into his details of like why he thought he he messed up, he failed, he's he's all these things. And I was like, you know, you're sitting in front of me right now and you're having a coherent conversation with me about what your options are because you want to move forward and try again. And he was like, well, yeah. And I was like, okay, so literally there's no way that you can fail. I told him, I said, I said, I'm reading, I'm rereading this book right now. It's one of my favorites. And the whole book, literally the book is called Think Again. And right now I really want you to take this word failure right? Don't attach yourself to that at all because there are multiple people that don't have this straight trajectory of beautiful perfectness once they've done the one hard step in their healing journey. And all of a sudden it's like smooth sailing from there. Like that's just not how life works. And, you know, I was like, I, I am so sorry that this is what you're going through today. I understand how you're feeling the way that you're feeling. And then I went into my background a little bit and explained, you know, just four years ago, I was in treatment myself. I definitely needed some professional guidance and some learning. I needed to unlearn. And then I needed to relearn like almost everything about myself, my place in the world, other people around me. Like I had to relearn a ton and it was such a painful, like, I don't know. I, I don't even, it was, it was painful and it was so eye-opening I don't, it was like such a spiritual process. And so I was explaining this to him, you know, like there's no such thing as failure because I remember feeling that way as well when I had gotten, you know, a few weeks together and was pretty proud of myself. And then I, you know, air quote, failed and decided to drink again, which of course then turned to all of the other behaviors that came with my drinking. Someone could stamp a label on me and say that I'm a failure. And I realized that after trying my best to do it my way and realizing, learning many, many times in a row that, hey, I'm still getting the same outcome. Maybe I need to reconsider how I'm going about this. Maybe I need to learn a little bit more, maybe about myself or about sobriety or about reasons why I'm drinking or about what to do instead when I do want to drink. You know, like there's all these different um, things that we have to learn, right? And then once we've learned more, maybe we need to try again. And so we can, you know, we can try again while we're learning more, like it's a process, you know what I mean? And so I was just trying to explain this to him, like, um, you know, there's no such thing as failure. It's just that we get feedback on what didn't work and then we try again. And so I gave him that, um, it's like a famous quote, you know, Thomas Edison said, I have not failed 10,000 times. I have successfully found 10,000 ways that will not work. <laughs> 
Um, and I looked up the stat. Actually, uh, Thomas Edison failed 2,774 times before the successful electric light bulb. And so, yeah, he literally failed that many times. I mean, how many times have you genuinely tried something? And then you gave up because you thought that you failed. Or like in your head, right? It was your belief. It was a it was a belief and a truth to you at the time where you were like, I failed, period. And so you give up, right? And I mean, literally every single one of us has done this at some point. So like whether it's, you know, starting a new diet or starting a new workout regimen, like those tend to be kind of big ones, you know, where we're like constantly like, well, I can start, I can get a few days in and then I fail, Right. And then same with like someone who's trying to quit drinking or quit using drugs or um, someone who's trying to even it's whatever, change any habit in your life and implement better habit strategies. Like, I mean, we're human beings, you know, we are, you know, we're trial and error species by default. You know, it's how we learn. It's how we grow. And we we encourage little kids to try, try, try again. And at some point, I don't know, at some point we're like, oh, you're old enough. You should have fucking learned more or something. And then, and then, and then at one point, does it come to be like shaming uh, someone who is really just trying to relearn and relearn and relearn? We are so proud of little kids. And when they fail, you know, we giggle, you know, but it's like when an adult is trying to unlearn and then relearn something, especially when these patterns, these thought patterns are so ingrained in us as little kids, we learn as little kids who's going to be here for us. We learn how to trust. We learn, I mean, even the basics, like, dude, we learn everything. We, I don't know why I just said, dude, Ugh, see, now I'm all riled up. My point is how, how many times have you genuinely tried something and then give it a week and you've already given up on that thing because you thought that you failed or better yet, here's something that I know I've caught myself doing, or I can think back and be like, yeah, I, I absolutely did do that. I quit before I failed because I didn't want to feel that hit to my ego when I eventually did fail. It was so ingrained in my head that this was going to end in failure that I decided to just pull the plug on my own first. The other one that I think of is like quitting a job, right? People are like, you can't fire me. I quit. <laughs> and it's like our ego just wants that like I don't know, that ego stroke to be like, good boy. Like, what is it? What is that? Like, we we are such prideful creatures. And it's beautiful, you know, that we can take pride in ourselves and in our work and all of the things. But guys, it really keeps us stuck a lot more than it helps us grow. And so I don't know. I'm just I'm learning so much through this book and through all of the other speakers and authors that I'm, you know, picking up what they're putting down that great thinkers, great achievers, people that change the world. They don't let mistakes get in their way. And so with this client, you know, once I, once I got him to kind of open up and understand that like, Hey, it's a process and healing isn't linear. And I gave a few of my own examples. You know, I was like, I was a hot mess in the beginning. Like anybody looking at me would be like, yeah, this girl's failing like every other week. But I, I think that that's what I was thinking about myself. I don't think that that's what the world around me was thinking. I don't think that my sisters or my sponsor from a 12-step program, or I don't think that um, my friends, I don't think that anybody that cared about me genuinely was like, wow, look at you failing. You know, everybody around me gives me so much more grace than I give myself. And so everybody around me was like, hey, it's okay. Try again. That takes courage to show your face and say, Hey, I messed up. I really was trying my best. And it's so hard, especially in the beginning, like ending an addiction, uh, starting to look into your mental health or um, maybe some trauma that you've gone through that maybe you've never processed through starting to look into that and start to ask those hard questions, those hard whys um, about why you are the way that you are, you know, why you were built with this mindset it's very painful. It can be really painful. And it can also be the coolest and most liberating thing that we can ever do. It can be a both and. It doesn't have to be an either or. Sometimes pain, emotional pain has to happen before it, it can heal. And this client today, you know, I use this analogy with him. I said, imagine a gash 
on your arm. And it's just, it is deep. It is deep. It is oozing. It is infected. It is not okay. You, and, and you don't know as just a, you know, a basic human uh, that you, you don't have the medical training. You don't understand how to heal and fix this deep, deep infected wound, right? So think of that wound, that big gash that you have on your arm. That is what's happening to your inside right now. It's your mental health. It's the part of you, your emotional spirit. Something is going on here that is saying, hey, you know what? I I feel this major pain. I know that this wound is very deep, very severe, very toxic to me right now. And it's running my life. Like I can't do anything productive because it's in my way how much pain I'm in. That is what addiction and mental health issues that you're currently processing through right now. Like that is what you're feeling. And he started to understand, you know, I could see his head nod and I said, okay, so what you've been doing with using drugs is putting band-aids on this big, big, deep infected gash, right? So you've been putting band-aids on this open gash and it's been hundreds of band-aids, like hundreds of them. And your thought process, because you don't know any better, it's not that you're stupid. Like, it's not that you are like a terrible person for thinking that fixing the wound on your arm with band-aids is a great idea. Like, literally, it's your only tool. It's your only resource. It's what's in front of you. It, you know that band-aids are a medical device or, or like, you know, they're, they're, they're there to help you feel better, right? And so all you know is to put the band-aid on the wound. And that's what's happening with you and your drug use or your alcohol use or, you know, whatever, whatever's happening with you personally. Like maybe you're going through something or have gone through something like binge eating or, um, you know, constantly spending money when like maybe that money isn't coming back in return. And so you're getting yourself in debt. So whatever it is, whatever like impulse thing that you are maybe doing, it's often because there's this internal uneasiness and and a pain and and something that just isn't feeling good and you're like oh this will fix it i know that this feels good and it does feel okay for the time being you know for a gashing wound like that to put a couple of band-aids on it it might take away like maybe it's not exposed to the elements maybe it feels a little less painful maybe you're not hitting it on everything so it feels a little bit better for the time being but band-aids only last so long and you got to take them off and they're going to be even more painful when you take them off you know like drugs or alcohol right when it wears off it's even it's almost even more painful to go through the withdrawal or um, you know, to just come back to the reality of the fact that like your life hasn't changed in the process of you escaping your mind. It's not that you've come back off of, you know, the high or, um, you know, the the drunk episode that you were in and realized that, oh, like someone fixed your life while you were gone and not present, right? And so that's what happens with your wound. You realize like, oh, so I put all these Band-Aids on and now the Band-Aids have fallen off and I still have this gaping wound. Um, and this is like a super long metaphor, but um, just stay with me, please. Um, and so I was like, you know, that it's not your fault. Like, that's the only thing that you know. And that's the only thing that you've been taught and that you have access to right now to help you cope with some of this pain. And so, but right now you have resources all around you. You know, I was talking to my client. I'm like, you're in a hospital, literally. Like right now you have professionals around you helping you. You have a coach sitting right in front of you right now. Hello. And I'm here to help you. And I'm here to help you understand that this wound, one, isn't your fault. Two, the way that you're going about trying to fix it also isn't your fault. But it's not going to work. And it's going to continue to get worse until you accept professional help. And you have to recognize that there are people that are all around the world that have spent years and years and years of their life becoming experts in the medical field so then they can help people like you. They can get into the gash that is on your arm. They can get in and take away the infection, you know, cut it out, whatever it is. They can sew it up, get you stitches. They can get you antibiotics and whatever medicine you need. Like they know all of the knowledge because they've learned it. Okay. So they, they've taken the time to learn it and to be here for you. Your only job is to accept the help. That is it. Your only job now that you're here is to accept help and to try not to like tamper with it and, and to just be patient with it and sit in the process. Understand that this process is not going to be painless it might be very likely painful. It's like going into the procedure of having to cut out that infection and having to get poked with needles and to sew up 
the infected wound, you know, like that is extremely painful, excruciating. What a process. There's so much toxicity and pain and it's been going on for years. Like this isn't just something that happened last week. Like this is years long of being unhealed and just festering over and over and over again. Like it's constant. And so no wonder why you feel like you're in a lot of pain. No wonder why this process is going to be pretty painful because this wound is pretty large and pretty deep and pretty infected at this point. And it's nothing's your fault. It's literally that you didn't have the tools or the knowledge or the understanding or the support or whatever it is, the connections to heal it in the proper way. And now that help is here, now that the opportunity presents itself right in front of your face, it's up to you to choose that help and to go through that process of healing it for real and sticking through it and making sure that you come out the other side stronger, better. Um, you know, able to live the life that you deserve. And so I use that analogy to get through to clients sometimes when I feel all of this shame, because sometimes, I mean, all of the time, guys, like addiction, addiction and mental health, like I, I pair them together. I know, I know that they can be very different. It is in my experience that because of my low mental health, my mental health status went unchecked for so long and me pairing it with alcohol because I truly believed that putting on the alcohol band-aid was fixing my infected wound. I truly thought that that was helping me. It only exacerbated it and it only made the problem way, way worse down the road when I actually went to someone for professional help. And so usually when I explain this to clients and I use this metaphor, it helps them understand that like, hey, I have an addiction right now because I am having a lot of mental health challenges right now and they're going unchecked. You know, I'm not I'm not healing through the process. And so I am using drugs or alcohol to cope. I'm using some kind of substance to cope. And um it's not a moral failing. Like I'm not a bad person for it. Like it's a human being natural response. Actually, it's just a living thing's natural response to want to be pain-free. Like duh. Like that is just normal and we have to have compassion. We have to give grace. We have to look at people as people and realize that everybody has their own backstory. Everybody has their own reasons for doing things the way that they do things. Everybody has their own history of where they came from and their own future of what they're dreaming of. Maybe you're someone who has been going through your day-to-day -day and you just feel like you're living the same day all over again, you know, like Groundhog's Day, just like, I don't know, it's the same old. I get up, I eat the same thing, whatever, I go to work, um, I do my work and then I come home and then there's like really no plans or I watch the same show or whatever and then I go to bed and maybe you repeat, you know, and you know, I don't know what your routine is, but you know, you get kind of get the gist. Maybe you feel like life is boring and you feel like maybe just like, it's just not, Maybe you're not excited about life. Well, why are you living the exact same day over and over and over again? I know that this is your habit and this is what you're comfortable in. But again, choose courage. Choose courage over comfort. I want you to think again. And maybe um, instead of turning right out of your driveway, turn left. You know, take a different route. Maybe the gas station that you always stop at, don't. Stop at some like a different gas station. You know, like um, try some new place for lunch. Ask a friend that you haven't seen in a long time out for a coffee. You know, start to just kick up a little bit of the dust that has settled on your life, if that is how you're feeling. And if something isn't working, pivot. Like you are a human being with agency and power, so much more power than you've given yourself credit for. And so think again. Lifelong learners, you know, like this is something that I am very proud to say that I'm a lifelong learner. I, you guys, I, there's never going to be a time where I'm done learning. I, there's an excitement that happens in me that I can't even explain when I get a new book or when I learn a new concept or I'm like, I love trivia. I, I love stuff like that. And like, I grew up watching Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune with my papa and Nana out in the boonies in the middle of nowhere. And there was really nothing to do in the middle of like Cornfield, USA in North Dakota winters. And so watching Wheel of Fortune on the dot every day at 630, like I knew that it was on channel 11, you know. Um, and so like, I'm really grateful that I grew up with some of the, you know, older generation for a lot of reasons, you know, 
Um, but they they taught me all about game shows and all about um, like just constantly learning. You know, I learned how to do jumble puzzles and crossword puzzles with Papa and Nana, you know, sitting on Nana's lap and reading books to Papa. You know, like th- these are memories of mine. Like I'm so grateful for them because they instilled curiosity and knowledge in us from the beginning. They were, you know, I dedicated my master's thesis to my Papa and Nana because of how much support they poured into me and my academics over the years. And I'm just grateful because that is something that I am anyway. I I don't know if, you know, I don't know if it's nature or nurture. I don't know if I, you know, came out the womb super curious and just like wanting to learn more and more and more, or if it was the way that I was raised, having the the access and the opportunity to, you know, read books and and to have that quality time with my great grandparents. That was um, one of the best ways that my life could have started out. And I'm so grateful for that. But being a lifelong learner, you know, like I recognize that I can learn something from every single person that I meet. Like today, um, you know, I'm driving to the hospital um, to go see some clients. And I I saw this man on the side of the road and he held up a sign, you know, that said anything helps. And I started to challenge myself to I don't even I don't even know if it was like a conscious thing. I think me getting into recovery, I know that me getting into recovery challenged um, my thoughts a lot. And it challenged a lot of my old, like, oh, well, this is just, this was taught to me. And so this is a thought that I'm going to continue to carry because it's something that my dad said, or my uncle said, or it's what my mom believes or, you know, whatever. It's like, well, what about you think for yourself? You know, um, like this man holding this sign, you know, like there's, there's a lot of hatred and things, um, towards people that are homeless, um, people that are in addiction, people that are actively drunk in public, you know, like these are all things that of course, like any major city has in their area, but the hate and the judgment that gets put on people that are just having a hard time in life is a fucking astounding to me. And so looking at this man, you know, one of the thoughts that I start to ask, or like, it's just like a normal pattern. Now I see somebody on the side of the street and I'm like, I wonder if this man is maybe a future author. And he just hasn't had the opportunity to write his memoir yet. I'm excited to read it. I wonder, you know, like, what if he's a great, you know, anything like fill in the blank here, you know, and, and the thing is, is that he's likely already great at so many things. It's just that the situation that that person is in right now in their life, they're at a standstill, you know, or like, you know, they are where they are and they're asking for support in the way that they know how, right? So I don't know, I guess I just come from such a place of compassion. It's just compassion. You know, I've I've been that drunk person out in public. I've been that person causing a scene in a bar because I'm, you know, I've had way too much to drink and now I'm angry at something that doesn't even matter. Um, you know, I've I've done that. I've been the one that drove drunk and got arrested for it, rightfully so. Like I've done that. I've been the person sitting in jail with my mugshot on the news you know, and having my family and friends, like, my God, try growing up in a small town and having your mug shot on the news, like, three days before you're supposed to be in one of your best friend's weddings, like, that, that was fun. Not to mention at the time I was, like, teaching at, at the college um, here in Fargo, and so I had a full class of students, like, relatively my age that saw me on the news, Um, and I say it with a little bit of a smile, because, like, it's so ridiculous. Like, I really, really thought that I was living this double life, And I think, I guess up until that point, I really was, you know, like I was successful at separating the two, but, you know, to see your college instructor um, on the news for, you know, assaulting an officer and driving drunk um, probably is a little shocking to some people. And I think like, you know, I just say that because it just goes to show that like we must take the time and make the effort to think again, because if you are thinking that people that work at a college can't possibly be struggling with addiction, that's ridiculous, in my opinion. If you don't think that people that are very successful at their jobs and that are running, you know, maybe they're a CEO of a company, you know, you think that that person can't struggle with alcoholism or mental health issues. Like we know that statistically is not true. So it's just, it's, it's astounding to me the stigma and the judgment that we place on individuals that may not be in the shiniest, best, most successful season of their life. You know, like the man holding the sign on the corner of the street or the man that I talked to in the hospital or, 
you know, any, any person that we put a judgment on, what we really need to be doing is turning that judgment around and asking ourselves why it is that we feel like we can judge that person and why we think that we are above somebody else. Um, because just, just give it a few short months and that person could be anywhere different. And that goes for you too. And so if you think that this is as far as you're going to go, this is as successful as it's going to be, you can't see the future. So therefore it probably doesn't exist. If you are thinking about pulling out of this like incredible opportunity or this project that you just started because you're scared that it might fail, please don't like just see what happens if you go the distance. One of the best quotes that I had um, written all over my planner, um, I had this big quote and I taped it to my planner my first, uh, my first few weeks out of treatment. It just says, I want to see what happens if I don't give up. I want to see what happens if I don't give up. And I told that to that man, to this client today that I talked to. And I just said, just ask yourself, you know, what would happen if I didn't, if I didn't stop? What would happen if when my voice told me to self-destruct and to use, if I said, hey, that is my addiction talking, that's fear talking, um, that's my old habits talking, that can't be me because I, me, my spirit, my soul would never tell me to self-destruct with a drug. And so I know that that voice can't be me. And so if that voice is addiction, what is the opposite of addiction? And he said, connection. And I said, good. Okay. So now that you know that when you have those thoughts and they resemble something dark, dark, shameful, addiction, whatever, that you go, okay, I'm noticing that thought. I'm recognizing that that thought happened. And I know that that thought isn't me. So what's the opposite of that? Oh, connection. I must be in a position right now where reaching out and connecting with someone, talking to someone, telling them that I'm having this thought right now, that is my answer. And he understood, you know, so, um, yeah, I want you to ask yourself more and more, like, what if I'm wrong? What if that's not true? What if there's more? What if it's deeper than that? What if it's just not that simple? I want you to ask yourself these questions because that is essential to becoming a lifelong learner. And that is essential to being more compassionate towards not just yourself, but towards the people around you in your life and the people that you've never met. We are all part of this big collective, like that we are all part of the world. We're all part of each other's journeys. And so if I get better and if I learn more and if I am more compassionate, I can turn around and I can help more. And that is why service work, being of service to others is one of the biggest pillars in the 12-step programs. And basically any religion, you know, it's like it is a way of being. It, it is a spiritual way of, you know, when we serve others, essentially what we're doing is giving back to ourselves too, because we are them. The help that was given to me in professional form and volunteer form and friendship form and just pure love. All of that that was given to me and has been and continues to be given to me throughout this journey of recovery and figuring myself out and figuring out what I want, actually, and all of the pivots, like all of that coming to me is energy and power and oomph that I get to have now that I can like pour into this, not just the podcast, but like the work that I do with clients and the conversations that I choose to have. And it's just been incredible. I know that without all of that love poured into me that I wouldn't be able to pour out. And so, you know, we got to do that thing. We got to we got to think again that self-care isn't selfish, right? Taking care of ourselves, making sure that we get ourselves right first has to happen because if we're not good, then the people who love us hurt because they're upset that we aren't living our best life. They're upset that we're hurting ourselves. You know, they're upset that we're stuck in this pattern. And they hurt, they're grieving, they're sad, they're wishing that we made better choices. You know, we they wish that we treated ourselves better. And if we love them, we have to love us. We have to start showing up for ourselves in the way that we know that they would. You know, since 
um, you know, a couple of years ago, I've lost both of my great grandparents, um, you know, the two that showed me, you know, everything. And um, as much as I miss them and love them and think about them all of the time, I know that I am me today because of them. I am me because they taught me how to be me. And they only taught me how to be me from what they knew. So that, I don't know, that's love. That's pure love. And that's really what I'm doing with this podcast too, is like, you know, hey, these are parts of me. These are parts of my story. These are things that I've learned, lessons that I've learned along the way. And I'm trying to um, just kind of pour them into this podcast so maybe they can get picked up and turned into little nuggets of joy and peace and compassion and, you know, just ending the fucking stigma on some of this shit. Like some of this judgment, I know that it's only rooted in fear, you know, um, it's just, it's fear of, it's, it's, we only fear what we don't know. Once we learn about something and we understand it, we can't fear it, you know? And so learning more, thinking again, asking ourselves what we need to learn more of, asking yourself where you have judgments, where you have stereotypes, where you have like these false beliefs, or even like these very strong opinions, right? Like there's a difference between having an opinion and having a value. Right. And so I always say, like, try to focus on your values. Try to say, like, hey, this is my value instead of saying, hey, this is my opinion, because values rarely change. Values are like deep inside of you. Um, They're part of who you are, the part of your heart and how you operate. It's part of like why you're here on planet Earth. What's your life purpose? A lot of that is attached to your values. Again, go and listen to the core values episode. I'm serious. It will really, really help you um not just like understand what this episode's talking about but it'll help you understand you and that's the most exciting part that is really my talk today that that is all that i have for you today i definitely went all over the place i really did try to take detailed notes to guide me through this and i just don't think that that happened very well so thank you for uh listening thank you for being here and thank you for just taking this in and considering thinking again See you on the next episode. Fuck Small Talk is produced in partnership with Be Easy Marketing. It would mean so much if you took the time right now to follow the pod and give a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'll see you guys here next week for another Big Talk topic. Until then, let's keep moving forward.